Morning, we are back again, 12 rows back, coming to you loud and clear at the end of round six. The AFL season absolutely up and flying. As we say, we learn plenty every week. We've learned plenty more from this weekend. It a uh, little bit shorter for you there, Seb. It was a Friday to Monday special, this one, and there, there was you know, talking points galore. I can't wait to get into it. How are you travelling? Oh, yeah, doing well, Tom. It was, uh, yeah, there were a few, a few games on the weekend, nine of them to be exact. Uh, things were happening. Yeah. Nails in coffin sort of stuff, season-ending stuff today at the MCG, which we might talk about later. But uh, I've got a little tidbit for you. I, I missed my first Friday night game for the year. Couldn't watch it. Yep. was at a wedding. But I was at a wedding with the great Tyson Stengline, oh. formerly of Adelaide yeah. and West Coast fame. Uh, 106 games for Adelaide, 102 for the Crows. Um, so we, we, well, he didn't watch the game either because he was at this wedding as well. Um, but just sort of one of those random players from the sort of 2000s that you probably wouldn't have thought of if you didn't listen to this podcast or attend the wedding. Yeah, the, the, the classic. Geez, the premiership player, wasn't he? He was in the 06. 06 yeah, he moved yeah. to the West Coast for the start of the 2005 season. So you could say he listed them to a couple of back-to-back grannies, but uh, yeah. Yeah, geez, in that midfield, that's just 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 a story on its own. Were you, were you pegging him about how that sort of Fab Four midfield midfield worked, and did he enjoy it, or is he a bit over the footy as he moved on? No, well, to be honest, we've got a big family, and I've struggled to catch up with all of them, so I didn't actually <laughs> yeah, get round yeah. to having a little chat to him, but yeah, uh, no, no, he, it, was, uh, it was a good wedding, good night had, and... Uh, where I was, I was fresh for Kyneton on Saturday. Yeah, there you go. Oh, well, you look. I'm, I'm biased, but I'm going to say you missed a you missed a, a game on Friday night. Uh, but uh, well, we we can get into that off the top. Seb, why don't we get straight into it? Because it's a, it's a big round. Obviously, today uh, the games will take. Uh, they're the recent memory, so we'll get into those. But yeah, cast your mind back, or I can inform you of what happened on Friday night. We had. Uh, were there were there two games today? Yeah, there was actually. Uh, Hawks Sydney snuck in at the old twelve thirty slot, which you don't see too often in the AFL game. They uh, twelve thirty Monday. Yeah, now there's one for the ages. Yeah, a little, little bit. What lost happened Did... on uh, you know? Given the the game that followed, I don't know how it goes on a Monday doing a game like that. It's sort of something you'd pull if the games on a Sunday, which I think is what they did last year. But did Hawthorne play like a quarter and a half and then disappear? Is that what happened? <laughs> I'll give them three. They played three and then nine goals to oh, right. one late. Uh, Sydney just oh, rampaged right. home. Oh, there. well, we can grade Spoilers, that. But, um, we can grade that later. Yeah, we'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, the classic your classic Launceston game, I think, that one. You know, it's just probably one for the fans of the two clubs. We'll get to that, Seb. I'm excited. You, you've got me off track. I'm straightening up. It's It was Friday night. You're at a wedding. Arm around uh, Stengline, best mates. But uh, I was on the couch edge of my seat basically for most of the night watching the Saints uh, I'm going to keep this as brief as I can for our listeners because I could go the full hour talking about this but it was an absolute gutsy performance from my Saints uh, to lose both both our key, well both our Ruckman, Marshall got a corky on a cork so he was no good for most of the second half and Jack Hayes and a bit of shocking news doing his ACL he just kicked a goal from 50 and was looking great, and then he's done that. So I feel for him, given you know he's 26 and he's really had his uh, apprenticeship in the Sandful, and now he gets his choice and he's done a knee. But uh, I think we'll re-sign him and get him back. But anyway... Uh, Jack- You're going to re-sign him off that? 
off the form we've seen out of him so far this year, I reckon he, we, he'll get another year or, or two. Have you um have you ever seen a garbage truck drive down um, like a court that's a dead end at the other end, <laughs> and then they've got to turn around and come back? He's still only twenty six, Seb. Still, there's still footy. That's what he looked like before the ACL. <laughs> just he, he's just genuine like, look, or the way he played because he kept us in it in round one. The way he moved, the way he moved. Yeah, no, I know. I'm I'm just saying. Um, I saw the calls on Twitter for Saints fans going, "Come on, announce the re-signing!" Like he's done so well, and now he's hurt his ACL. This is a business. This is the AFL. We can't be handing out contracts to blokes just because they turn up <laughs> Look, and hurt themselves. That's madness. Geez, wait, wait and wait see what happens. Cherry or someone does an injury, Seb, you won't come to me with that. Oh, you might for him. Well, we'll trade him to the Saints. Well, look, that, we've gone from Paul Hunter and now we've got Tom Campbell in the wings. So Hazy's a breath of fresh air when you're talking about Ruckman at, at the moment for us. So we, we enjoyed his performance, but that was sad. But look, it was all about Jackie Higgins. He exploded. He's the current all-Australian small forward. Absolutely no doubt about that. He kicked four including three in the third, just to turn that game. Uh, you know, the, the Giants were plucky, but uh, they weren't really smart. I don't know if, if Leon's just hit a wall, but to we had Joshy battle, all 193 centimetres of him playing in the ruck. He won one hit out in the second half. Uh, Big Prusy and Flynn had 26, but the Giants could do nothing with it. They didn't take advantage. They didn't stretch us. They didn't use the height. Uh, there was one moment, I think, uh, Flynn takes a mark, and Himmelberg asked for the hands, and then he's just kicked it sky high, and we've sweeped it away. And yeah, they and you know there was a moment on half back as well with Big Prusy's going to give the hands, which probably could have ended up in a goal that would have put them three points up. But we turned it over, ran it down the other end, and all of a sudden we got a spark. So just a, a nightmare night for the Ruckman for the Giants. They didn't take advantage of that at all. So uh, I'm waffling, Seb, because I was really pumped about this game. It was uncomfortable to watch just because they sort of kept within two goals for the majority of the game and I know some people said we did the footy version of parking the bus which is correct we did do that we just flooded the stoppages but just guts out a win and five and one so you can only uh, keep getting the W's Uh, so yeah anyway I forgot that we actually give grades I'm happy to keep waffling but uh, I'll give the Saints a HD and the Giants a coordinator visit actually for that one uh, season on the line and you know Saints with no Ruckman and they couldn't get the job done super disappointing from them uh, yes the Saints probably beat a team that's not flying well but with minimal personnel I was impressed so HD uh, tell me what you think of that listeners I'm keen to know your thoughts 12 rows back at gmail.com so obviously it's been fully established I didn't watch the game I was at this wedding with well, uh, yeah, Mr. I'm happy so, to take your airtime, Sam. Um, I think I've taken a few others. No, but, no, no. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I, I get to. I still get to give grades. It's the beauty of being a host. Yeah, yeah I, true. I get the grade no matter what. Um, you kick two more goals than an absolute struggling team, and you think it's worthy of a high distinction? Uh, look, with minimal personnel, I don't think any team. Well, no, that's. I'm not going to say any team. Minimal personnel. You've got the All Australian small forward. Um, you've got Jack Steele. What's we'll he? He'll be a three-time All-Australian this year. On, on track four, I would say. He's pretty darn good. You've got... Oh, so I'm just having a look here. Seb Ross played his best game in a while. Uh, would you say Sinclair's going all right at the minute? He might be uh, maybe on the interchange of the old uh, All-Australian squad at this point. So we're throwing up All-Australians for, for your team. I, I see I see how this works. Um you've got this you've got a 
young key forward who's had eight shots on goal. But you, you're struggling personnel-wise, are you? Or is it just the dependence on the ruckman? How many teams win when not just their first but also second ruck option is out and you're playing an undersized full back as your ruck against two behemoth ruckmen? I don't think there's many teams that are go all right in that situation on a on foreign soil. So you, you, you're saying that on Friday night. What was the last game of the last round last week? Jeez, you're testing me there. That was Hawthorne-Geelong. Hawthorne, what happened to Hawthorne's ruckman? Yeah, like they lost their one ruckman, but I gave them a HD as well. So literally, the lit- yeah, because they beat quality. You've beaten the Giants. So their coaches on the way out. They're struggling. Their one ruckman was a rugby player growing up. For crying out loud, that shows you the level of brains he's got. Um, good win. Had to get the job done. Cannot call it as favourably as you have. And just HD the Saints just because they won a game. Uh, in on foreign territory, which True was technically sides. not even in the same, not even in the same state as the other team's home ground, it was in a different territory. Um, I, I give the Saints a pass because I certainly expected them to get the job done, and the Giants it's a fail. You, you couldn't look at that game. No one thought the Giants were going to win coming in. Um, they've got lots of problems down there, the Giants and. I think uh, between now and in about three weeks, every free agent giant is going to start being linked with about four or five Victorian clubs because their season's going to keep going south and, and it's just an easy link. Like Josh, Josh Kelly might be up. In fact, I feel like Josh Kelly is. He'll be coming to North in about two months. I mean, they were favourites during the week to win this game, actually, the Giants with the bookie, so make of that what you will. Uh Look, I don't want to dwell on uh, the HD, but uh, yeah, I said, tell me what you think. Send it in. We love the opinion of the listeners. Seb's given his. Give us yours. Uh, Saturday afternoon, footy back in Ballarat, back out in the regional areas there. Good to see uh, the footy heading into a different part of our great state. Uh, it, It was... Again, a classic Ballarat game, which in saying that, I don't I don't think... I mean, the deck they play on Mars was... Mars is in Mars Stadium. Uh, was was in pristine condition, but it's always cold and windy up there, no matter, you know, <laughs> whenever they put a game there, it just seems to go that way. So it was a 63-62 win to, to the Crows, which uh, stunned me. We're all sitting here going, yep, the, the dogs will straighten up. They'll probably win their next four or five, and... They probably read a few of those articles given the way they played. I, I uh, caught caught the last quarter really on radio driving to and from somewhere and it was just turnover after turnover. And we're talking names that are known for their composure. Caleb Daniel, I can put in the gun. He basically was a, he just kept turning it over and the crucial turnover that led to Texas' goal from uh, from 45 that he, he, he read the breeze and put through. So... Yeah, look, it, it was messy for them. Bont, Bailey Smith were quiet. Uh, Liver stood up for them, but real problems for the Dogs. I think they thought they'd waltz in and take the points and run, but the, they were plucky, the Crows. Get behind Ben Keys. He was unbelievable. A bloke called Billy Frampton said, who we probably don't know a whole lot about on this side of the border, went nuts and probably had a career game. So a couple of great performances, and they've won by a point. They've been waiting for Billy Frampton to break out over there. Um, he's always shown a lot, but just... Not quite put it all together. Um, now, look, the, the Crows have been showing form. Lost to Freo by a point. That loss is looking better and better as the weeks go by. 
beat Port Adelaide, lost to Essendon by less than a kick, and took care of Richmond. Um, all the, all their wins have been sorry. Sorry, the three of those four games are within a kick. Could have gone either way, of course. If they don't kick that goal after the siren, they don't beat Port. But um, they're kicking like they're a young team, but they're kicking scores, they're kicking goals, they're staying in games till the end. Which, as a supporter, all you can do is sort of ask for effort. And they're sitting at three and three, which is probably better than most of us expected. Um, the dogs, they're so they're, they're they're hard to get a read on now at this point. Lost to Melbourne. Yep, everyone's lost to Melbourne. Just lost to Carlton, but were coming hard. Then beat the Swans, and it was sort of like, yeah, they're going to be thereabouts. Then got belted by Richmond, kicking 7-19. Played North, so let's pull that one out of the equation, because at this point, those don't seem to count so much when you play North. Um, and this was this should have been an easy kill, yeah. I believe. This should have been the easy kill, and it wasn't. So, uh, coordinator dogs, you have to pull your socks up and lift your performance. You cannot be dropping games like that. Um, the, I really hope the dogs understand how much of a fluke their flag was in 16, like coming from seventh. Um, I'm more than happy to remind any of their supporters of that fact. I'm, I'm with you there. I've seen some of their supporters declare, if not, like Isaac Smith won them that grand final. Because if he had kicked that goal, they would have played Geelong in the semi final, and there's no chance they would have beaten Geelong. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so. It just it didn't work like that. They've got the flag. You can't take it off them, but um, they need to be top four. They weren't top four last year, and that could have hurt them in the running and, and you know, didn't win the grand final. They they need to be top four to be freed from desire. So, uh, coordinator Jeez, for me. And, and the Crows can have a HD flying down. They um, From what I heard, they, they flew into Ballarat, but uh, didn't actually know which hotel they were staying in or, or didn't know too. which room and yeah, there was a bit of a mix-up um, right. on the Friday. So foreign territory coming in, beating a, a good side, albeit I don't think the dogs are going to turn out to be a great side at the rate they're going. Um, the Crows get a high distinction. Nah, I fully agree with you there, Seb. Great win for the for the Crows. I mean, they're almost sons-ish in their form last year that they jumped out of the box and then faded and... This year they've done similar. They have jumped out to be three three at the moment. So hopefully, I mean, I, I doubted them. I think I had them at the spoon. So they're they're impressing me. I'm happy with the HT for this performance. I'm with you, dogs. The coordinator too. You know, you, you, you're ruining your shot at a flag if you you know if you're not top four. That do, I mean, it's not impossible, but it's the best way to do it. Uh, and they're really they can't leave their run too late because that kind of season where you're chasing and chasing it it catches up with you before the last Saturday in September. So. Uh, they'll, yeah, they're in the coordinator for sure. Uh, the, the next game we've got seven. We, with no, with all due respect to our Port Adelaide and West Coast fans, I think we can keep this one reasonably brief. But the the power got their season back on track uh, against an Eagles team that just didn't feel like scoring. To be honest, from what I saw, um, they they left their run real late and. Uh, I think they did kick the first, but after that it was it was all one-way traffic and, and the power got themselves into a, a bit of form uh, with Connor Rosie running amok in the midfield, which is probably something they needed to do earlier. They're the kind of moves that uh, can spark a season. So he had a, a BOG performance there and, and they, they look, they got the job done with, uh, with plenty of petrol in the tank, I think. Yeah, big, big, big win to the power. Um, they... Look, they, they were the only winless team coming into the round, but if you look at their form line, it, it 
outside of a round two game against the Hawks, it seems to stack up as them being at, at least an average to decent side, but lost to the Lions by 11 points. Looks That's like right. a decent loss. Lost to the Crows by a kick after the siren. Lost to the Ds by five goals, but... Yeah, it was flattering, I think. It was, <laughs> well, it was a dour game, but <laughs> we keep saying that, and then everyone's saying... Who can beat Melbourne? They're comparing Melbourne to the 2021 teams of Essendon and Geelong, um, the Saints. Uh, there's one more I'm trying to think of. Well, maybe I'm not. Collingwood. Yeah, Collingwood in, in 2011. Um, so Melbourne can't be beat, and it certainly has been the grand final, but that form line means you quite often drop the grand final. Like I don't know why it's being brought up. And yet, Port Adelaide are within sort of five goals and it's their world's ending. So I don't quite know how to read that one. And then lost to Carlton, came charging home, just didn't quite get there. So the by all rights, I'm going to go over here in Belt West Coast who are just so severely undermanned and, and out of out of touch. Um, you know, it just... It's a shame for West Coast on a lot of, lot of fronts. Um because they're going to see off some champions of their club in, in Kennedy and Hearn this year, you would think, and, and the season's not going according to plan. But uh, from power point of view, you can only beat who you play. Um, and they just needed to get a win, and they did that and did it well. So they might be able to find some form and keep Kenny at the helm for another few Yeah, yeah that's, weeks. that's what it's looking like. Unless they can sort of get, you know, get some sort of winning streak going. I will give uh, Tim Kelly a shout-out. He's copped some heat, but he was probably a, sh- a rare shining light if you had to pick one out for the Eagles. So, uh, yeah, look, getting games into the legs and, and probably trying to find a few diamonds in the rough, I think, for the Eagles to go into 2023 with is probably what, what their, you know, new aims are, and, and they're well aware of that. So I'm going to... Look, I don't think you can give the power a distinction despite the margin. I think they just had to win and whatever it cost at whatever the margin was, unless it was going to be some sort of record breaker. I think, you know, they got on a roll and and did what they had to do. So I'm actually going to pass them even with that margin. And I didn't expect the Eagles to sort of be a yelp, so I'll pass them too, a double passer. Yeah, right. I'm I'm giving the power a distinction because they did. What was the end margin? 84? 84 points, I think it was, yeah. Um, that's a belting in anyone's terms, and to keep West Coast to one goal through three quarters of footy, like that's that's um, amateur stuff where, you know, you, you're bringing up players the morning of the game to try and get them to come out and have a kick. Like, that. that's what West Coast sort of screamed of and sort of does reflect their situation a little bit, given... The, the COVID issues. Um, West Coast get a fail. I'm not going to... The coordinator wouldn't waste their time. They'd sort of look at expelling them or telling them to take a semester off at this point. Come back when you're actually ready to play, which I don't think is necessarily the club's fault. They, they haven't got the, the cattle, but, um, you know, you you can't really grade a lot of what they're doing. In, in fairness, they're just... Are you are you thinking just, of expelling them at this stage? Are you, are you uncomfortable grading them going No, I, th- oh, I think I think you would sit them down and, and tell them they need to defer and, <laughs> and take some time and work out what they're going to do and come back in the trade period and get ready. Um, but, that, like, I mean, what do you grade them on? They've kicked four, one goal to three-quarter time, four goals for the match. How is that not a coordinator job? You've passed their effort. 
Like, I'm failing them. I'm trying to give them some leniency, like, you know. Well, like, look, they are now 18th, so they're the bottom. No, they're, seven, they're 17th. Are they 17th now? Who's... I thought they dropped uh, right down there. Oh, sorry, I did not. Uh, that was unintentional, given that they were it back down oh, there. It was Last time I saw the ladder, right. West Coast were at the bottom. But uh, look, that's where that's the bar I've got for him. I can give you an, anol- an anomaly: the Saints won and dropped out of the top four. <laughs> How did I know that was going to come up? I'm surprised it didn't come up when we were talking about our game. We can go back into the Saints if you want, Seb. But let's uh, let's keep it on, keep it moving. Let's get to uh, to your other boys. The game of the round: Frio Carlton on a Saturday night out west. What do you think? Oh, this was this was the game of the round. I um I sat down ready to watch it, and my kids thought it was time to watch the Wiggles. <laughs> Yeah, that I saw off. that online. That was that was off. That was just not on. Um, look, Carlton came in, and they were sort of ready. They, they came out ready and firing, and it was sort of back and forth. And Frio were just able to flex that little bit. Um, Paddy Cripps tried to stand up and literally carry the team on his shoulders, and did a damn good job of it, but just didn't get them over the line. Um, only player this year to have a game of 30 touches and three goals, let alone two games. Um, but Freo were just too good for a lot longer and um, just... I never felt they blew them out. It was still only 20 points midway through the fourth quarter, but they were just able to get just keep the pressure on and just just stave them off. And, you know, they did lead by 20 He's about 28 at three-quarter time, so... the third, oh, geez, it was 32, close to the final margin. Um, but um, Brayshaw has just gone to another level this year, and they're going to keep singing his his pundits, uh, his praises. Um, Will Brody, who was a throw-in from the Gold Coast, similar to Jared Lyons, he's turning it on. Sarong's playing really good footy. Um, yeah. David Mundy, Benjamin Button, just just aging in reverse, still doing it well. Yeah. I'm sounding like you when you talk about the Saints. Um, the Blues, there were, there were certainly positives, but um, they seem to have a lot of footy without doing a lot of damage. Well, I was going to say that to you because if you yeah you have a look at the top of the stat sheet, yeah the top five were all thirty plus possession getting blue. So Walsh thirty six, Chera thirty two, Cripps thirty two, Doherty thirty two, Hewitt thirty. When you're winning that much ball with you know I guess that much quality, you'd you'd want more from it, wouldn't you? Who, who's not pulling their weight there? Obviously Cripps, he was enormous, and yeah his third quarter in particular, but he he was massive. But you know. Uh, that's way too many accumulators. So who who's the inefficient one there, Seb? Who who aren't they getting their bang for buck with out of those? That I mean, that group. I mean, I don't want to be potting blokes having thirty, but if you're going to have that much, have an impact on the game, surely. Oh yeah, th- no doubt, and and we well, we'll get to someone and we can pot them for having forty. <laughs> um, but like Paddy Cripps, obviously thirty-two, only ten were kicks, so a lot of it was getting it in and under and and feeding it out. But then you look at Chera, he's had 32, but only 293 metres gained. Like, he was getting a lot of it, and you heard it because the, the uh, Freo fans were booing on the broadcast, but he wasn't... They weren't carving them up, and it just... I'll give him another week, Carlton, to see how they respond, but it seemed a little bit of, oh, I'll get mine, I'll get mine, and then, you know, what are we actually doing with it? Like, they just seemed to sort of break down. Harry Mackay was hurt... And, and visibly hurt, but 
it was like he, he wanted to make sure everyone knew he was hurt and didn't sort of put himself into the contest and start like if you're hurt you're still able to take marks and grab the ball like he had a little leg injury but if you get hands to the footy you should still be able to hold those marks it doesn't affect it um yeah, that's it. Or, or at least, you know, bring it to ground. He takes the best defender. Yeah. So, you, you know, you can see. And if you key it. forward, sort of, I guess, sort of like slouching or not presenting up that he's invincible, it sort of does set the tone for the rest of the team a little bit. Um, but, I mean, Mark Pitnett going down was a big loss. They lost to the Suns, and he didn't. Did he not yeah, play? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, no, he. I think he. Uh, no, he missed that game. Play, no, I think he missed yeah, that game. Yeah, Cripps was subbed out. Yeah, and um, Wits tore them to shreds, and, and Darcy really started to get on top as soon as um, Pitnet went down. Um, so it just it wasn't the Blues' night, but you got to remember traveling to Perth, hostile environment, Freo were flying. Their one loss was to the mighty Saints, so. Um, you know, it was a game of, of two top eight teams, and, and, and we got it. We just had one who, who was better on the night. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you, you can't pot the form of either side coming in. Um, I was going to say, uh, I did enjoy the work of the Frio Small. So, you know, Lockie Schultz, he, he bobbed up and was dangerous, and Sam Swikowski, I hope I've said that right, Swikowski, Say that ten times quick, but uh, he, he had an absolute ripper, and that goal he kicked late to seal it was just pure class. I, I didn't sort of expect that from him. He, he striked as strikes me as a sort of journeyman type, but that was all class. So um, yeah, like we said, the usual names: Sarong, Brayshaw, Brody. Now is a usual name. I'll put him in there, but a couple of guys down back: Brendan Cox and Luke Ryan weren't too bad. Even Rory Lobb, I, I enjoyed his game. Uh, so a lot, a lot to uh, like for Freo Friedrich. Uh, he was good too, uh, with his effort. So yeah, lot, lot to like for the Dockers. And I think this is coming up a bit. You, you want to find different ways to win, and I think Freo can do that. Uh, I'm just really keen to see how they go. And I mean, this was a test, but on their home deck. But I, I want them to sort of. I think they've got Geelong in a few weeks. Uh, down there, uh, down the Cattery is the way it goes. They always get those games, the Cats, but uh, that'll be an interesting one for the Dockers. That's a bit of a test, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, in terms of grade, I'm real happy with Freo. They can have a distinction, and the Blues, I'll give a fail. I think that's fair. Yep, I'm on board with those grades. Um, I'm game for Freo, so very much expected them to uh, to take care of business, but... Did did so quite comfortably, and it's a fail for Carlton. They're bordering on an average team, Carlton, at this point, um, and need to sort of pull their socks up, and they've got a nice, easy kill this week. Um, Freo got the Cats this week, by the way. Oh, this week. There you go. Can I pull you up, though, quickly? You said you were all in on the Blues last week, and they're the real deal. So now you're calling them an average side in one week. Have you jumped off? No, I think they're the real deal, and they'll play finals. Where that is, I don't know, but they're starting to look like an average side. Um, so if I'm... Is that sort of a sneak in the eighth sort of thing, you reckon? Oh, I still think... Uh, they're probably more fifth to eighth now in that region. I, I think they'll play finals. Um, like, I, th- I think you're going to find a lot of teams are going to go to Perth and not beat Freo. And that's yeah. just the nature of them being a good side. Well, you've got to be um, real good to get Freo over there. That's that's coming up, becoming apparent. Yep, no, I know, I, I know, Tom. Uh, but no, I, like if I can't say one thing about a team 
and then watch their performance and then reevaluate slightly, then what are we doing? Why don't we just have our predictions at the start of the year and then get back together after the grand final and see who was right? I would. I don't think that's good for either of us because I think uh, you might have had the Bombers top four and I think I had the Giants top four in our early season predictions. So I'm with you. Let's go week to week. That was one probably from the listeners that I've just brought up, but uh, I'm with you. Let's keep it going uh, week to week and we'll, we'll change our opinions. We're allowed to do that. You're right. Hit me with your rendition of the North Geelong game. So uh, you, you said oh, yeah. uh, easy yeah, right. kill for the Cats down there, which seems to go well. They had, uh, had a loss and they rebound and get you boys. So uh, what, what did you make of the Cats? Are they are they the real deal? Because they've got the top two in the Coleman and Cameron and Hawkins. So they've got firepower in their key forwards. But what did you make of the rest of the lineup? Are, are they going to scare a few later in the year? Well, we know we can't judge Geelong on beating bottom sides at this point of the year it just it's the, the, those games aren't hugely important but um i i knew coming into it we played them pretty close to a draw last year i think we lost by two goals two or three goals down in tassie um but i knew coming in after they lost to hawthorne we were in trouble um and then after watching north for the first five weeks very closely uh we don't have a second defender and Mackay traditionally does well against Tom Hawkins, so I knew Jeremy Cameron was going to have a day out, which he did. Um, and they just—they've got more experience in class on every line across the ground. Um, our one advantage against the Cats has traditionally been we have a good ruckman, um, and Reece Stanley had the game of his life, so we were never, never going to go too well. Um, but. Like you couldn't say you learnt much about the cats. Everyone piling in on North. We got closer than the Bombers. The Bombers weren't switched on in round one. It's the different games. It sort of doesn't matter. Um, if you're expecting us to come out and beat sides that are going to be top four, then like, well, I don't know what you've been watching. Uh, you can talk about competitiveness all you want, but when you're going in so young. And then you look at you look at our players who are twenty five to thirty or thirty two over old the the oldest ones are. Um, you'll sort of see why the team's struggling so much. So um, you give the cats a distinction for a very workmanlike performance. You you fail North and 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 you move on and and North can have a game against Carlton this week at Marvel, who have been our bunnies recently. Yeah, oh, I like the enthusiasm there. Look, yeah, that that's probably a fair. I might. I might just pass the Cats. Uh, I, I think they just got the job done. Yes, they won by 10 goals, but you probably weren't out of realms thinking that would happen. Uh, 17 goals, 19. So they they probably yeah, could have done a real bit of damage on you if uh, if they kicked straight. But it, look, it didn't matter. It's the kind of game where they just, they're just pegging the goals and they're going to get the job done. Uh, I, I sort of caught the second half of this game, and I think by that stage it's sort of a become sort of circle workish sort of stuff at that point. Uh, I did like for the Cats, Sam DeConing down back. I've bagged them all year for being old and they didn't get any younger over the weekend, but he is a youngster coming through that I'm impressed with. Uh, he's, uh, I guess, getting the tutelage down there of Stuart, who's heard it from Enright and Scarlett, so passing the torch on there, it was good to see him. Uh, Oliver Dempsey uh, got a lot of air time, as he should have, with the journey he's had. He's come from the clouds to play, and I think they had him in the middle, and he got, sort of got to walk the boys into the rooms, which was good for him. Uh, Tommy Atkins, he, he's sort of an underrated, I guess, inside sort of 
meat and three veg player, I guess you'd call him, Seb. He just gets the job done. So I enjoyed his game and Joel Selwood keeps on keeping on. Whether that's good for the Cats, I don't know. But he's a great player and he continues to play well. But it was all about Jeremy Cameron who went berserk. Uh, for the ruse, I thought, yeah, Mackay, I know Tom will kick four, but I, I, I'm with you, Seb. I like what I saw. He was absolutely robbed of a mark late in that game. Took it spinning, and I think he ran into his own player. And, of course, Tomahawk loves to be on the receiving end of a soft free kick, and he got that one and kicked it. But uh, he did a good job, Mackay. And uh, I think Zerha kicked it, bobbed up and kicked a couple, Seb. So if he can sort of build on that and come back and maybe kick a few against the Blues this week, I think you'll take it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to pass the Cats and fail the ruse for that one. Yep. No, no, it was... Uh... Yeah, I think they're going to take the Sunday one ten slot off us now. Um, I don't know what <laughs> slots we're allowed to play in, but um, yeah, we didn't play well then, so give us a new slot. But um, we'll we'll move on up north to Queensland and the uh, the rivalry match between Brisbane and and the Gold Coast. A uh, bit of a fizzer, really. Uh, Lions kicked very accurately, and they've ended up getting the job done by fifty two points. Um, is it a nail in the coffin for Stewie Jew, or am I just trying to get a coach out early? What, what, how did you see this one? Well, I don't know, and I don't know why I do this because we always talk about the Suns. We give them a lot of airtime. I actually thought they'd give a yelp in this one. So, um, you know, every year we kind of they come to these games, and you're sort of like, all right, if they've turned it around, this will happen. And they always seem to get to those little tests or those little hurdles, and then they come out the other side and they'll probably lose the next four. Like, it, they just don't seem to be able to put it together or don't bring their A game when it's needed. Like, this, you know, Brisbane are a great team. I did not expect them to win, but the the ease they did it. I mean, we, there were stages there. It was wet where the footy, but Brisbane were playing with a dry ball and the Suns were just butchering it. So, you know, I'm seeing Matty Rowell, he's he's sort of stagnating and that's on the Suns. That's, that's the development they're putting into him. I'm sure... Yeah, he's probably looking at other teams. Well, he, well, he's a focused player, but I'm I'm thinking he'd like to be somewhere else where they uh, might be using his talents a little bit better. At the moment, he looks frustrated. Um, it it just wasn't pretty. So I'm going to skip over the Suns because we always talk about him heaps, Seb. But I loved it from the Lions. High scoring. We need to give an absolute shout-out to Zach Bailey, who, who's definitely uh, we're talking all Australian he he is a walk up into that team right now he is absolutely on fire he's he's kind of a player you'd probably put in and turn him into a midfielder but he's just so good forward don't don't muck with it and they haven't and he's kicked six in a career best outing so uh huge for me in ultimate footy this week he, he he's great for the super coach McCluggage he's just getting the job done Charlie Cameron kick four Lincoln McCarthy he's a different player now that he's in the warm weather of Queensland it was just wherever you looked on the lines you know you're liking what you're seeing and yeah 132 they're the highest scoring team in the comp and Joe Danaher's a Coleman chance so tick 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 for the Lions uh yeah so I'm going to give them a distinction I know they didn't play much, but they really put the foot down, which good sides do. The Suns fail for now, but with a bit of notice, I think. Yeah, yeah, I tend to see it similar ways. Um, if you want my All-Australian small forward, it's Charlie Cameron. Um, he can do things Higgins can't. Um, he's kicked four in this, given off another two, so he's certainly no slouch by any means. But uh, we're... They don't get awarded all Australians for six games, um, so we'll wait. We'll just we'll just park that bus, I think, Tom. Unless you want to give us your 
Unless you want to jump on the trend of a rolling all-Australian team, which um, this might not be a bad idea. Be the... Yep, no, you can you can put that together and run that. That's I'll leave that one up to you. It might just be the Saints starting twenty-two rolled out each week, but uh, we can't complain about that. In terms of grades, I'm I'm with you. It's a distinction for a accurate kicking, good kicking, good footy. Um, Real workmanlike performance, but got a little bit of a percentage boost against Suns who have been travelling well, but were just outclassed and outmanned. And um, yeah, we've spoken about them for too long again, I think. So um, we move on to a to Anzac Day Eve night game at the G. No, I'm with you. I like well when I say I'm with you, I actually enjoy this as a. I'm very ple- you know, I'm happy for Melbourne and Richmond in that they've just found this as a slot and really turned it into something. It's a credit to both teams, really. Like, it, it just... It, is well, it? In that, Sorry, it's a credit to create the game, but the games the haven't games, been great. Yeah, look, they haven't been great. There was there was a touch, I guess, a couple of years ago. They, I think I, I went to a couple of them, and there was one that was 85,000. It was probably right as Richmond was sort of in that premiership window. and I, It might have been the 2018 one where the Ds had that good year. Um and yeah, it, that's that's the kind of game you need. It was just two teams that actually bring something to the table and have a, a neck and neck clash with you know momentum swings and memorable moments, and um, they've turned it into something. I mean, yeah, they are piggybacking off work that's already been done by Essendon and Collingwood. I'm not going to deny that, but they've just basically been smart, seen that you know, yeah, why don't we just do the Anzac game at night? And they've jumped in and they've, they've turned it into something. So. They've made it their own marquee matchup. That's that's what I'm I'm pleased with. I guess from both of those sides, it's just th- thinking. Yep, there's an opportunity here. Let's go for it. And now, yeah, they'll they'll get the big crowds and the money coming in as a result. It's smart. I'm I'm just waiting for a good game on this gu- in this slot. Um, Melbourne should have kicked straight and blown them off the park by about eighty points, and just couldn't. Um, and just to give you some idea of the history, last year. Melbourne by, what's that, 34, 2020, Richmond by 43, 2019, Richmond by 46, 2017, Richmond by 13, which is the closest one, 2016, Melbourne by 33, and 2015, Melbourne by 32, so not close games, none of the actual games are memorable, it's a lead up in the, uh, the, the, the pre-game stuff that is. Um, last year was a little bit memorable because it sort of signified the beginning of Melbourne. No one thought they were going to beat Richmond or I guess it was their first big test and they just blew them out of the park. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably being harsh. I'm, I'm, I think people see me as critical of the Ds when I've picked them to win the flag and think they're clearly the best side. Um, this is not a criticism of them. This is just a general comment that the game itself has not been great. It's not been a great contest. It's, it's never been two sides at the same spot. Um, and I guess the the bar to jump is Anzac Day, which no matter where the teams are on the ladder, it seems to be a pretty close game. Um, albeit there have been blowouts. It's just We reference the draw. We reference Zaharakis, the match winner in the wet. Uh, Dane Swan's three-goal uh, stomach-rubbing game. Uh and then even today was sort of not decided until the last couple of minutes. Uh, but, you know, they, when clubs build it, they just 
get what they want. And I guess, you know, if Richmond won a game at the MCG, the AFL certainly isn't going to stop them, are they? <laughs> I was waiting for that little uh, little one for Richmond. I, what, did you, what did you make of the game? I know Clayton Oliver had an absolute night out. Uh, probably Nick Floston's the standout for Richmond in that one. Stephen May, yet again, doing what he does back there. Uh, how did you see it, Seb? What, what, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was an inaccurate Melbourne. Nine goals, 22 yeah, it was a very inaccurate Melbourne. Um, and and a lot of those shots were gettable. They should have kicked more goals and just blown them off the park. We were barely competitive um, for stages of it. They just kicked straight early, which kept them sort of in the game on the scoreboard. Like, Melbourne have won by one goal, 16 behinds, as you look at it. Um, two goals, two to two, six. Then Richmond have kicked three goals, one in the second quarter to one goal, six. And then sort of... And then... They kicked, I think they kicked the first two of the third quarter. Sorry, they kicked the first one of the third quarter and they're out by nine points. And then Melbourne just went bang, 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 kicked five goals straight. And they were up by um, 27 points, which we pegged one back late. And in the last quarter, there were only two goals kicked. And it was just, I think Melbourne were playing out a bit of time. And like we said, I've said this is one of their strengths. Um, it was sort of a dour game. They couldn't find ways to kick goals, but it didn't bother them. They didn't change anything. They just kept going about their footy and, and were just dominant, uh, you know. Like, they just they won like this, where some weeks it'll be fast-paced. They'll kick more goals and they'll win that way. Um, they're just so good at absorbing and then and dealing with it. And it starts with Stevie May down back and that trickles through the rest of the side. Um, I'm a big believer in the Ds. Uh, if they lose a couple... Three, four, five through the year. I'm not going to worry about that. Um, they, it's their flag to lose, and and they'll be kicking themselves if they do because it's they, you don't get many chances. They've won one last year, and they need to sort of make the most of the next sort of two, three, four years and win as many as they can. But uh, no, very, very good from Melbourne. They they get a distinction. Well, they get a pass if they kick straight. But if they kick straight, they could have got a high HD. They could have kicked twenty-two nine and won by fourteen goals. Uh, Richmond get a fail, but again, if they didn't, imagine if Richmond kicked, you know, four goals, 12 to, to Melbourne's 22. Like if it was the other way around, it would have just been very, very, very dour for the Tigers. But, you know, the Tigers are the champs, you know, the wounded champs. They'll get some time to sort of dwell and, and be a little bit uncompetitive. And then they're going to have to start turning the list over with some of the older Older players, but uh... well, I mean, how how long are they? You know, obviously they built up an enormous amount of uh, trust in that side, and that you know the the belief in them across the media landscape. I guess, I mean, are they out of these tickets? Are we sort of thinking they've got a little bit of that, you know, twenty nineteen twenty twenty magic still left in them, or is that is that actually all gone? Do we need to reassess Richmond? It's not. It's not all gone, but it won't be there enough to win three finals. Um, and the way they're playing, they won't be in the top four to, to, ha- to have that opportunity. They'll have to win four if they scrape into the eight. Uh, that That's not there. They might catch lightning in a bottle and win one or two, um, but they just don't have the... They don't have the players, you know. Dusty coming back will help, and, and that was... Geez, Dusty turned up at Richmond, and by gee whiz, all the Twitter reporters were quick to tell you. Um, oh, yeah, I'll tell you, I'm with you on that. And, and that's one of the problems with the game. He wanted to get away from all that. Yeah. Um, so uh, him coming back will be a big 
plus and that would allow them you know if you leave them in a game like this he, yeah he can sort of have that magic where he kicks three in two minutes and suddenly the game would change um but until he's back they sort of don't really scare any of the good sides but i mean when you win three flags some of these players are entitled to go out and get an extra year and do this and do that um it just I mean, the captain's Toby Nankervis, and that should say it all, shouldn't it? You were big on that last week. He obviously didn't impress you over the weekend. Um, I'll jump into my grades. I'm going to, I mean, talking to Demons people I know, and even one we might have had on this show, the undefeated season is a legit belief in this D's fan base, I reckon. They are super keen on having a year where they just blow everyone off the park. It might not be pretty. Their percentage might be okay for a team that good, but... Where are the losses coming from? Uh, the confidence in this D's fan base is off the charts. So they're just getting the job done. Uh, this probably went, I mean, apart from the inaccuracy, went to script. So I'm going to give them a pass for what I expect out of them. I'm buying the hype that they should go, if not undefeated, have one of those 20 win seasons, maybe 18-4 if things go pear-shaped. Uh, so yeah, just a pass for this kind of win. And yeah, the Tigers can have a fail. Uh, I'm I'm keen on that as you gave it, Seb. Can I can I tell you where their losses might? Sit? Yeah, hit me. I'm I'm intrigued because like from what I'm hearing, I don't know where they're coming from, and that's how confident they are at the moment. The D's. It is their flag to lose. Yeah. So they haven't. I'm just going to list some teams they haven't played. Like they haven't played Freo. They haven't played Brisbane. They haven't played Sydney. They haven't played St Kilda. They haven't played Geelong. They haven't played Carlton. They haven't played Collingwood. That's the top eight. <laughs> they're yet to play a top eight side. Yeah. Wow. Well, there, there it is, D's fans. This is for the D's fans, Seb. I'm with you on this. I think they will lose games, but I'm, I'm just on, on the fan base chatter. I'm hearing, it, it's just not going to happen. So I, I appreciate you keeping them real. Well, no, a, a good D's fan would know that it, it's irrelevant. Winning eighteen or twenty or, or twenty-two or sixteen doesn't matter. It's, it's three games in September. Um, but but all the talk is very premature because they've beaten and I'll just look at it. They've beaten the Dogs, they've beaten the Suns, they've beaten the Tigers, they've beaten Port Adelaide, they beat Essendon. So they beat the Giants. Yeah, they got the Giants last week. Oh, all right. So that's sixteenth, fifteenth, fourteenth, thirteenth, twelfth, eleventh. That's who they've beaten. Everyone's critical of St Kilda and Frio for not beating much, and they've beaten who they played. Um, Melbourne yet to yet to play a top eight side. I'll just leave you with that. And that's not a criticism of Melbourne. I think they're the best. I'm just saying to have to think they're going to have an undefeated season when they yet to actually play a good side playing well this year is just nonsense. Um, and I don't have time for it. So I like it, Seb. That, that's what the, the fans needed to hear, and I think you've said it loud and clear. Let, let's talk about this uh, so-called invisible game, as you called it earlier. Sydney versus Hawthorne, the... Not often seen Tassie twelve thirty Monday slot. Um, just we talk about a game of two halves. I mean, this was three quarters of on the way to a famous Hawks win uh, against a real good team, and Sydney in that last quarter have just really shown that they are they're playing finals. Don't worry about that, and they have got that much class, and they've they've. I mean, they went bang 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 bang, and. Uh, it was better than what they did to your Roos, who were also plucky. This was a real statement last quarter. So, I mean, for Sydney, are you worried that it took them three quarters to wake up, or are you just happy that they got the job done in the end? Because, I mean, if you didn't watch this game and you'd looked at the scores, you'd say this went the way it should have. But 
just looking at the way the the match actually panned out. I mean, the Hawks also kicked, I think, was this the first five of the match as well. So if you if you take that in, it's sort of seventy point turnaround sort of stuff, which is a bit concerning for uh, for Sam Mitchell. Yeah, they they flew out of the gates the Hawks, and then it was sort of Swans slowly sort of started pegging them back, and you sort of thought, yep. They are going to sort of overrun them, but they didn't get in front until sort of 10 minutes into the last quarter. But once they got in front, it was bang, 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 bang. Um, our man Josh P. Kennedy was the medi sub and came on, I think, late in the third quarter. And he's had he's had about 15 touches, which, again, it's, it's they've been able to activate it thanks to an injury. But he's had 11 touches, but still in sort of a quarter and a bit of footy, that's... That's not bad, but he's come on with fresh legs and given them some run while Hawthorne have got a sub sitting there who can't be used, and they've got a, you know, Jarman Impey's had two disposals. Yeah. Like, that's that's not that league That rule's got to change, doesn't it? Are you a favour of if, you know, one team makes a sub, the other is in their rights to do the same? Do you think that's fair? Oh, I just think it should be... Um, it's five on the bench. Well, five on the bench or four on the bench and no sub, or if the sub's there, it's tactical at all times. Um, uh, the, the the doctors and the coaches and the players are all clear if there's any sign of concussion that the player won't continue. And I'm pretty sure the sub was brought in to make sure if someone was knocked out, they were, that team was not at a disadvantage. Whereas now, if someone is knocked out, that team is at an advantage, it would seem. And we saw yeah, poor Paddy McCartan. Oh, that's the nightmare, isn't he it? He was showing... No sign of ill effects from what we could see, but they obviously ruled him out. I'm really hoping they just went ultra-cautious knowing his history and just said, yep, no, you're done. Um, Well, he took more than a few knocks on the day. It just took a real knee-on-the-head sort of whack from, I think it was Wingard. Accidental, but um, that they were like, yeah, that's enough. But he backed into a few packs, so... I mean, yeah, that, that's the whole nightmare scenario was that you didn't want to see, you know, P. McCartan concussion coming up and we're, we're here we are. So, again, yeah, where's his, I guess, his future at? Because he's playing great footy as well. So, but it, when it comes to the scheme of things, if, you know, those those head injuries add up. So his brain is, he's got to think of that first and his future. So it's a real, probably a tricky one for him at the moment, but... Long term, I think, um, yeah, the, the call's probably got to be made. Yeah, yeah, it will be. Um, it Well, I don't know what, what the call will be, but um, he certainly, he'll do everything right. They'll see all the right people and work it all out. Some people will say, I saw on Twitter, people say, blaming the AFL and Sydney for letting him come back and play, and I'm sort of like, well, he's got to have a say in it too, doesn't he? Like... They wouldn't be doing it if... You're not forced to play AFL. Yes, and it wasn't... um, I don't think Sydney sort of went to him and said, hey, we want you, we want you, we want you, come, come, come. He he got a chance to get out of the limelight in Melbourne, go up there, play whatever it was. Was it last year? NEFL? Whatever whatever comp or the Southern Victorian Football League, whatever the hell... I don't know what the damn thing's called now. Um and he just wants to play footy, and he was doing it. Um, so hopefully it all works out for him, and he misses sort of one to two weeks to just make sure it's right and comes back because he certainly is a key part in that side that, you know, they're going to be around the mark for top four. Um, the Hawks, I guess, look, they're, they're young. They're turning over their list. Um, they just seem 
the Geelong game was the exception, but they seem a little, not one pace, but they're one-trick ponies. Once you sort of figure them out, they struggle to do anything else. Um, and, to, you know, to be up by 32 and lose by 41, imagine if you backed the Swans 1 to 39. Yeah, yeah, I reckon you'd be, you, you'd be tearing... You, I don't know oh. what you'd do with that ticket during the game. It would have probably been almost ripped up at one stage and then you're just hanging on it. Oh, it would have been a roller coaster. Um, yeah, that, that's probably fair with the Hawks. I mean, yeah, I mean, you take out that Geelong game and there were sort of questions coming up, but I, I still like a few of the things I saw. I mean... Jacob Kaczynski, I'm pretty sure they kept, I heard Justin Kaczynski by mistake a couple of times during the broadcast. They don't seem to get that right. Uh, he stepped up because Mitch Lewis, I mean, that, that was a big loss. He's been in career form. Uh, he's up there in the Coleman. Kaczynski's come in and kicked three to sort of, you know, give them a target up forward. So, you know, they're, de- they're developing that depth. I'll give them that. You know, Bruce still bobs up. Moore got on the scoreboard again, I guess. Um, you know, Newcomb backed it up with another performance um, in, in the midfield and Sicily's doing what he does. So there's little sparks there, but it's just, yeah, that four-quarter consistency, I think, is what they've got to nail. And uh, we didn't see it today. Uh, for the Swannies, loving Chad Warner, uh, the blonde hair, streaming through the midfield. He kicked two as well. And um, Ben Ronk, who I don't know if you'll remember, said there was a game a couple of years ago at the G, kicked seven to haunt the Hawks, and he's kicked uh, kicked another three today out of nowhere. Cause... Averages three goals against the Hawks, 0. 0.8 or 0. 0.7 goals yeah. against the rest of the comp. Just just bunnies. And, and he, he's been missing. I feel like I haven't seen his name on the team sheet for a few years. He's kind of just been... No, he's not been best 22. Yeah. For... So he's taking his opportunity. Um, look, oh, how do you grade this one? I mean, I'll, I'll, look, I'll give the Swans a... I'll give them a distinction. They really put the foot down. I like seeing that. They they didn't let up and just let this one be a four goal. They really turned it into a seven. Uh, don't like that they have to get themselves back in the games against the real top top four sides. That's going to haunt them. So they straighten up. But yeah, they can have a distinction. Uh, fail for the Hawks just given the margin and uh, what they were able to do last week, they let me down. Yeah, I'm, I'm pass for the Swans and, and fail for the Hawks. Um, Hawks had a chance to win and, and solidify a top eight spot and, and set themselves up to do it and didn't. And the Swans just get a pass for a mediocre three and a half quarters and then turning it on, that's great. But like you said, that will not get the job done against some of the top eight sides. Uh now, speaking of, well, not top eight sides, top bottom <laughs> bottom sides, you, well, I guess Collingwood are a top eight side, believe it yeah, or they not. They, they count. The they count now, but uh, they are the definition of pretenders in that top eight. They will get found out so quickly. Uh, Collingwood played Essendon in the traditional Anzac Day slot. Uh, it is now seemingly hyped up to the level, like, I can't believe the level of hype the game itself gets. Um, they've done a really good job of building it. And they run out, and then they play footy, and, and we get all the Mick Malthouse stories beforehand and all this other rubbish carrying on, and then they start playing footy and uh, Essendon struggle to kick a goal, Tom. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's such a funny one with this. Like, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the day and what they've been able to do with it fully hats off, but it's almost like... Anzac Collingwood and Anzac Essendon is actually different to Collingwood and Essendon because if they play them later in the year, you know, it's not 80,000 at that game. So it is a completely different sort of little bubble that they've been able to build and 
like you wouldn't really even say Collingwood and Essendon's rivalry even extends outside this game. Like they're not bitter rivals except for this one day. If I don't think that's unfair to say. So it, it is its own little thing, and that, but I love it. I love that there was 84 there today. I love you know the minute silence and the whole stadium. You could hear you could hear a pin drop in there. That that's just one of the great sights in our game. And yeah, the the tribute. To the all our military uh, personnel, you know they've they've done that right. They've got they've done that perfectly, and yeah, I mean it's got thirty years of history now, so it has tradition. So, yep, we're here on the traditional uh, day, and I'll tell you what stood out to me uh, out of all this, Seb, was the bombers' lack of skill of kicking and handballing. It it was driving me nuts. They were able to move the ball and get it from end to end and, and you know, find the goals and, and get the job done. But I just felt like their skills let them down, whether it was handballs that weren't quite crisp and on the chest, they were down low and they it, it just ended up adding an extra possession or two that made things harder for them. Like I, I'm watching sort of, I think it was Jack Crisp's goal and Collingwood just kicked it clean through the centre. He took a bounce, you know, ran through and bombed it from 50. But the Bombers' goals were always so hard. It was always five or six handballs, quick handballs that came off or weren't pretty or they knocked it forward sort of Richmond style and then sort of bundled it forward and it's landed in a nice spot. And everything, they made everything look hard. And I, I didn't like that out of the Dons. I, like, they've straightened up and they got their pressure right today, which they sort of haven't had, but it, it, it was just that skill factor, I reckon. Like, it just really let them down. It was it, It's just what is probably holding them back, too, against the good sides. Like, if they can get clean possession, it'll make them that top eight team we saw them last year. They just weren't clean. It just bugged me all day. Yeah, they... Uh, look, to all their, their... For all their issues, Collingwood kicked unbelievably straight, and that made sure they stayed in it because uh, it was three goals to two, but it was four, six to six, two, eight goals, eight to nine goals, three. Like Essendon were, they were head on points at one stage um, with with less goals. The, like, there's this still so hard to get a read on the Bombers because, well, sorry, I'll take that back. We, when I say we, a lot of people thought they were still the final side from last year and they were going to take another step. Um, and that clearly has been proven that their back half to last year was was a fluke. It was a bit of momentum. They rode it in. They got snuck in on 11 wins, which normally no teams managed to do that. But I think it just showed you how you had seven teams at the top, then you had from eight to sort of 12 or another rung of teams, and then the rest were... We're out of it, but they're not. They're not going to trouble any finals-bound teams this year. Um, I mean, Collingwood, who we all expected to struggle and have shown some good things, were sort of challenged, and they had you know a kid who's played five games, kicking five goals to to win the medal. Um, the first teenager since Mark McGough to do it. So there was. I I don't actually I don't think Collingwood are all that of a side but they're still well ahead of the Bombers um, is Darcy Parrish like we can talk about it he had 30 touches at half time um, he's had like I, I was thinking about this he's like the genuine <laughs> Russell analogy. Westbrook of our game like they were 44 of the most meaningless touches you will ever see 
Like he'd had sixteen at quarter time, and I'd seen him, but he wasn't having. He was getting all those handballs in and out, in and around, doing this, doing that. Um, he wasn't hurting them at all, and and we just. But that that's the skill thing. So he's one of them in there whipping around handballs that aren't going probably as crisp as they should, and then they have to come around and work harder. And that there's there's probably ten possessions in this little thing that should be a handball kick run through hit a player running through or something like that. It's clean, skillful football, but they're just not able to get that. Uh, the, they're just not playing that clean, crisp footy. And, and yeah, you can accumulate when you've got that. Yeah, no, and he's had 44. He did have 12 clearances, so there's some credit there, but 13 kicks, 31 handballs, uh, 310 metres gain. You've had Zach Merritt, who's had 36, coming back from syndesmosis. He's... Um, second leading possession getter. McGrath had 31, third leading possession getter. And Collingwood had to go in on 27, who was their highest. But the, it was just a lot of, probably a lot of the same for the Bombers, where they've had trouble. Some of these mids not running back, not defending, not doing this. And none of them, there was one goal assist in all of that. So none of them have kicked a goal or a behind, and only one goal assist. But that's. I'm just doing some quick math off the top of my head. 80, that's 111 possessions for for that. Um, and seven tackles total. So they've just been worried about getting the ball and not worried about doing anything with it. Um, meanwhile, Collingwood have... Um, look, they didn't dominate and do what they liked. You couldn't say they that. Just kept them at- they were... Essendon got in front, but... Collingwood were always there and all, just had an answer all day. Yeah, the straight kicking, you know, when when the game's up for grabs and, you know, the Bombers get their noses in front and then, you know, I mean, Grundy's bombing a goal from 50, you know what I mean? Like, the, they had that kind of goal going in. I mean, yeah, Ginevan, who I, I actually, I'll admit, didn't I didn't know until he bobbed up and kicked a few and the, the Pies got us in round one. I, I didn't know him and now, you know, him and Kane Corns are turning their little rivalry into a thing, which is just... Kane Corns pumping up his tyres in the midfield. Sorry to digress, but they just, yeah, they just kicked the goals because of their accuracy, obviously, when they needed to, and it just put that scoreboard pressure on on the Dons, and it just built. Um, I'm interested, Seb, on your take. I actually really enjoyed the game of big Sammy Draper. He had a real presence about him and, you know, sort of running through players and, and Collingwood really aware of where he was, and, you know, once Sage Grundy looked like he was he was pretty cooked on one leg, he did sort of straighten up and get back in but he yeah he had a real presence about him but I don't feel like they were fully able to take full advantage of that the Bombers with with the big fella so he he did some nice things he can move for a Ruckman but when he kicks it he doesn't he, it's a high long kick like he just doesn't if I was a Ruckman coming in to play him I wouldn't want to be in the Ruck contest but once the ball was in general play I'd, I'd be loving it um, uh, he's got a little bit to learn. I know he's young, but um, he's not the sort of player that seems to be damaging or the sort of hype around what he could do, which always seems to come when an Essendon kid does anything good, um, was greatly exaggerated as to what he's actually capable of. And uh, Like Nick Cox is still playing on their list and running around each week, but he's not doing what he did last year. Um, I'd say Archie Perkins has gone ahead of him now. He, he actually, I mean, he faded late, Perkins, but he had some real moments, particularly in those, you know, the second and third, and 
Well, he's kicked two playing as a high forward. Yeah, so. but he gave them more than Cox, who, yeah, was sort of, you know, you'd remember that unicorn talk we were all uh, going with last year. Well, yeah, I think Perkins has gone ahead of him. So he is back in the scene, but he's still got to find his form. Maybe some second-year blues to get past. Yeah, and you give him all the time in the world, but sometimes, sometimes some of these Bombers players start doing things really well when they're young, and, and the talk of them being... Out and out champions just gets put on a little prematurely. Sometimes just straight by the media because it's good content, but other times we do get ahead of ourselves. Uh, so we can grade this one, Tom. Um, yeah, we went in depth on that one. I've forgotten we need to grade it by this stage. Um, you, you, is a distinction for the pies on the cards? I mean, I'm going on what they beat. Maybe the day I'll, I'll give. No, nah, I'm going to pass them. I'm an airing, but I think I'll I'll pass the pies. Um, did what they need to do with freakish accuracy. I mean, they just kept their noses in front and had that when the siren went. So you got to love that. Um, yeah, fail for the bombers. Um, big stage season on the line, which actually was put to the side for today, given the day. So that didn't get a mention, but geez, it'll come back this week. Um, yeah, disappointing. Um, not to to overrun. They had they. They could have won. They really had the cattle out there today to win. But, yeah, like I said, the school let them down, so they can have a fail from me. Yeah, so I, I, I'm with you on a pass for Collingwood. Um, job done. Three and three. That's a far better spot than most of us probably thought at the start of the year. So they're in control of their own fate at this point. Um, I still I think there's a little bit of um, a honeymoon period, like with the Hawks, who are also... I think they're also three and three the hawks the hawks the ninth um it's a honeymoon period with these new coaches and they're going to run into some trouble at some point um the bombers can go after the coordinator um now this is probably a culmination of some of their losses but one and five after playing finals last year is not good enough you're playing a team is widely tipped to be terrible they've lost a couple of games they should have won collingwood um and it's sort of is, is some of that doubt's probably creeping into their minds. You bring back Stringer, who kicks three goals too. You bring back Merritt, who has 36 touches. Like, they're two very good footballers in your side. And you still get beaten by a Magpies team, who, like I said, are just going okay. Um, and it's off to the coordinator because your season's done. <laughs> there it is. You, you, I know. I can hear it. Last year you were two and six, and you got in. You just got to win next week to be two and six. Like I can hear it already. But that's not what good sides do. They don't go one and five, two and six, and then jump up into the eight. You got to play the dogs this week. Um, just watch out for Cody Waitman. I know the umpires have it in for you, and they love him. So it's just a match made in heaven or hell, depending on which way you look at it. But I just, yeah, it's it's season done for the Bombers, um, and they are well ahead. They're well behind where we seem to think they were. And if people want to declare that was it was outside expectation and not internally, that's fine. But it's just a fact of of where they're at. There it is, Bombers fans. You've heard it here. A nice crisp finish to uh, get us to the end of this episode. I liked it, Seb. I mean, like we always say every week, we do want our listener feedback. So hit us up, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, at the website, uh, 12rowsbackatgmail.com. Also our email address. You send your questions through. Send your opinions. I mean, 
a question would be nice, but we're happy to hear the feedback. Get onto our Instagram and comment on what we put up there. Just let us know. We really want to hear it because we've got our opinions and we're more than happy to hear yours. So uh, hit us up with that during the week and and we'll, we'll, we'll put it out there. We love analysing the footy. We're six rounds in, Seb. We learn more every week, as we say, and, and, that, and we're going to keep looking at it. That's what we do. We certainly do. Can I just ask you a question on the way out, Tom? Hit me. Uh, are you concerned about Max King's goal kicking, kicking one goal seven? Nah, not at all. Uh, I'm more than happy if he has eight shots every week, so don't worry about that. Uh, if you did look at a score map, he took the majority of those on the boundary, so it's probably a little thing to just straighten up where we get him his shots. Uh, he's not going to kick too many from where the 50 meets the boundary. Uh, you know, he's... He's not your Harry Mackay snap type. He he, uh, he does like to go back and, and, and have a shot. So, look, if he's having eight shots, I'm more than happy. There will be plenty of days where he kicks 6-2 or 7-1. Uh, we just got the wrong side of it this weekend. But he, he's huge. he is a huge presence in this competition. Seven is just building. So just, just, just watch his career blossom, uh, if it hasn't already. 